Thank you, Dan, and choir and instrumentalists for our lovely worship today. Turn your Bible to Matthew 22. And also, just a moment, we'll be looking at Revelation 19. So if you'll find those two passages this morning as we talk about the big invitation, and I do mean the big one. I got an invitation this week in the mail. I was so excited. It says a special invitation right there on the front. It is handwritten. It is from someone named Michael McCaffrey. I know some McCaffreys. This is from Houston. Don't know that clan, but it, it, maybe they're related. This is exciting. And I opened up this very special invitation to find out that I was invited to switch to Dish TV. I not only looked at the invitations in my mail this week, I looked at, well, Robbie, it's a federal offense, and I confess here on live television, but I looked at your mail this week. I got an invitation. This says, you're invited. Doesn't it say that? Uh, Dan, come up here. I want you to verify this for me. You're invited. Now, to whom is this addressed? Mr. Robbie Barrett. Mr. Robbie Barrett, you're invited. In the, isn't that odd? My sermon this week is about the big invitation, and Robbie gets a big invitation. Mr. Robbie Barrett, you're invited to assisted living. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Yes. Robbie, we've all kind of noticed. <laughs> Prophecy right here. Well, sometimes we get that big invitation in the mail. And sometimes, like today's invitation, it's an invitation to a wedding. And then we're supposed to respond, RSVP, responde s'il vous plaît, means let me know in French if you're coming. I need a solid head count. Let me know if you'll be at the party. When someone plans a party, makes preparations, and asks for a reply, well, they are less than amused when you or I do not respond to their invitation. Well, for example, in the Tallahassee Democrat, someone writes Ms. Manners, Dear Ms. Manners, what would you do if you receive minimal responses to your RSVP to an upcoming party that you're hosting? It seems pretty rude not to respond to an invite, but do I now have to track everybody down who didn't respond? Dear reader, writes Ms. Manners, unfortunately you have to, unless you want a lot of leftovers or a lot of hungry guests. If it were Ms. Manners throwing the party, she would hang on to the list of people who needed prodding, it would serve as an invaluable reminder for the next party whom not to invite. Well, put bluntly, Ms. Manners says she is, well, less than happy if you don't respond to her RSVP. Well, if you ignore the invitation and therefore you don't get an invite to the next party. The rudeness of not responding to the invitation has disqualified you, says Ms. Manners, from another invitation. No response, no future invite. Responding does seem to be particularly important when the occasion is a wedding. 
Jesus tells parables in this section of Matthew's gospel. He, he starts out with verse 2 by saying, The kingdom of heaven. Now, in Matthew's gospel, we don't see the words the kingdom of God very often. Matthew has such a high respect for the name of God that he uses the euphemism heaven. So when Matthew says the kingdom of heaven, he means exactly what the other gospel writers mean when they say the kingdom of God. But Matthew so holds high the name of Yahweh that he's not going to say God right there. So the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Often in these parables, in fact, more often than not, the king, of course, is God. And the son, of course, is the Messiah, is Jesus. Well, weddings are no small occasion if you've gone to all the preparation for your guests. They are a tremendous amount of work and planning, as any bride or bride's mother would tell you, who has recently undertaken the task of the enormity of this occasion. The average wedding in America, according to costofwedding.com, costs $25,764. The average wedding costs $25,764. And sixty-four dollars. Well, what? Where would you spend all that money? Attire and accessories, hair service, makeup service, manicure and pedicure, band or DJ, musicians and soloists, gifts and favors, invitations and postage, ceremony programs, rings, photography and video. Now there's a big one. Venue rental, reception food, cake, and oh my goodness, don't forget the preacher. Throw them all in there, and it's about. $26,000 for a wedding today. And some weddings, of course, cost a whole lot more than that if that's average. In today's dollars, Prince Charles and Diana, are you ready? That wedding was $110 million. Wow. Did you get an invite to that? I didn't get one in the mail. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle recently $45 million. Prince William and Kate Middleton, $34 million. Chelsea Clinton and Mark Mazinski, $5 million spent on a wedding. But what if, after all the planning and the preparation and the reservations, what if you go through all of that and nobody, and I mean nobody, shows up to the wedding? That's what happens in our story this morning. The king sends out the slaves. Well, let's look at verse 3. Let's pick up. And he sent out slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. And again, he sent out other slaves saying, those who've been invited, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. Look at this plea. Come, come to the wedding feast. 
But they paid no attention. Listen to these words carefully. They went their way. Not the way of the king, who equals God. They went their way. One to his own farm, another to the business, and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. He tells his servants, you go out and you tell all these folks, I have a big wedding and I am ready. The meat has been butchered. Everything is set in place. But notice, they pay no attention. They go their way. They don't respond to the king, to God's invitation to come to the wedding feast that he has prepared for his son. One goes to a farm and another goes to a business, but no one, no one goes to the king's son's wedding. So he sends out another set of servants and says, come on, come on. And notice what they do to them in verse 6. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. Now, the cooks have cooked for days. Jars and jars of wine have been opened to breathe. Olive oil has filled all the lamps to the hilt, and they are lit. The palace has been cleaned and scrubbed and decorated, and not one, not one guest makes an appearance, not even one. Come on. Be my guest. Come to the wedding, he, he pleads. The food is spoiling. The wine cannot be resealed. The king's good mood has turned into a, a foul mood. Now, there can be little doubt that those who were first invited to the wedding but refused to show up at the Messianic banquet are ancient Israel. Ancient Israel were the first to receive an invitation. The Messiah has come, and they, they rejected the Messiah, and therefore those are the guests who are invited and yet refuse to respond to the wedding, to the presence of the Messiah. Now, the idea of a wedding feast as an image, or a feast in general as an image of the kingdom of God, the eternity with God, having a place at the table is an ancient one. The prophet Isaiah speaks of the day of redemption as a day when the Lord will make for all his peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines on the mountain of God, Isaiah 25. When Isaiah thinks about what it means for creation to be restored and for humanity have a relationship with Yahweh again, he says it's going to be a feast on the mount of the Lord. You remember Luke, the prodigal son, when the son who was disobedient and, and like those in Matthew, went his own way. When he returns, it is what? Kill the fatted calf. We are going to have a feast of redemption. Well, actually, open your Bible. Now, turn to Revelation 19. 
This is a powerful final image of what it means to be in heaven. To have a place at the messianic table at the wedding feast. Look at Revelation 19 verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And it was given to her. Now, I want you to notice the clothing here. It'll come up again in Matthew. I want you to notice that if you come to the wedding, you've got to have on the right clothes. I want you to notice that. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen, what is the right clothing at the Messianic feast, wedding feast? Notice what it is. The righteous acts of God's people. The righteous acts of God's people. And he said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you got an invite to eternity sitting down to the table as part of the bride of Christ, the church. And he said to me, these words are true words of God. I fell at his feet to worship the angel. And he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So here in the last book, one of the last images of what it means to spend eternity with God is to put on the linen of righteousness and to take your place. And blessed are you. If you have received an invitation to that ultimate final feast, the wedding feast, the marriage feast of the Christ. So by every biblical evidence, God likes to throw a party, whether it's in the book of Isaiah or in the gospel of Luke or in John's apocalypse, revelation. God likes to throw a party and he likes to invite everyone. The Jews were invited first, but they refused to come. And in God's long-suffering nature, he sent out the slaves saying to them, Now come on, come on, everything is ready, everything is prepared. My, my food is spoiling at the banquet. It will not keep. Come on. Look at verse 4 at the end. Come, he says, come to the wedding feast. But they all have their excuses. One goes to the rural area, another goes to the city, another one to the farm, and another one to business. And some had the audacity to kill the king's slaves. Like the ancient Israelites, you see the parallel? Those who kill the servants who invite you to the table are like the ancient Israelites who killed the prophets of God when he sent the prophets and said, come to the place of repentance. They killed the servants of God, rejecting both God and his invitation. Now, the king is not amused. He sends armies to destroy those who reject the invitation. A foreshadowing, perhaps, of the Romans coming in and destroying Jerusalem in AD 70. And he says, those who are invited are not worthy. Now look at verse 9. Go into the highways. Go into the byways. Find as many people as you can. Since the folks who were on the invite list didn't show up, you go out. You beat the bushes. You fill up the banquet. The food is spoiling. The wine 
is ready. Well, I want you to notice three things about this parable. First of all, the invitation is much too serious to ignore. The invitation is much too serious to ignore. In preparation for this sermon, I began reading about wedding ceremonies and customs around the world. One of the things I discovered about the Indonesian weddings is you better show up. Attendance is very, very important. And the more folk who come to an Indonesian wedding, the merrier. Every relative, every acquaintance, every distant friendship. Why, I know you've had this happen to you. You get that wedding invitation in the mail. You read it four times. You think, who on earth is this? And, and why did they invite me to a wedding if I don't know them. You make three phone calls and find out that that is someone's brother, second cousin, third sister, step-nephaint who's invited you to their wedding. Well, Indonesians like that. In fact, if you don't get an invite and you want to go to an Indonesian wedding, you come on. Your presence is a blessing to the couple, and it is a sign of your approval. And in an Indonesian wedding, if you are a no-show and you have business relationships with anybody in the wedding family, they're probably looking for a new merchant. If you have family relationships with anybody in the wedding, there's going to be some tension in the family. When you get an Indonesian wedding invitation, that invitation is to be taken seriously. It is a matter of honor. So it is in Matthew 22. Come to the banquet. Come to the wedding feast. Come, will you come? And some people say no. Just as surely as I am preaching this invitation to you this morning to respond to the invitation to the great messianic banquet some of you watching by way of television and some in this great sanctuary over and over again and again today, God sends a messenger to say, you need to respond. I'm giving you an invite. You need to come and take your place at the table. And like you have before, rejecting God's messenger, more importantly, rejecting God's message, and worse of all, therefore, rejecting the Father and the Son for whom the wedding is given, you seal your fate in an awful and terrible way. God this morning has sent a messenger to you. For you, it may be your final messenger. You are invited to the wedding banquet. You are invited to come to the table. How could anyone possibly cold-heartedly ignore the invitation from God? To come to his table. Well, the first thing I want you to see this morning is this invitation is way too important to ignore. Second thing I want you to see is everybody's invited. Everybody is invited. There in, in Matthew, in, in, in verses 9 and 10, you'll notice that everyone is invited. The, the invitation goes out to all. Go therefore into the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. 
And those slaves went out in the streets and gathered together, notice, all that they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. For those of you who would tend towards being particularist, I want you to see in this particular passage that the invitation for salvation is for everybody. I want you to invite all. I want you to go out in the highways and, well, the ones who were on the list, they're not worthy to be on the list anymore. I want you to invite everybody. I want you to notice verse 10, not just the good, but the good and the evil receive an invite to go to the wedding feast. Everybody's invited. Kathleen Gooley was engaged to be married. She had signed the contract with the venue for the reception and the caterer. Well, the groom chickened out, left her with a bill of $4,500 that, well, you can pay it. You can have a party or not have a party, but we've already ordered the food. It's here. It's yours. And the venue, we turned down others, $4,500. There's no way out. So the jilted bride determined to go ahead and have a party anyway. She sent out invitations to the homeless shelters, and 150 folks who were homeless came to that, her reception, which was going to be her wedding reception. They bust in homeless men and homeless women and homeless children, and those, some of them who had not had a meal like this ever in their lives of this quality, Miss Gooley attended. Instead of white, she wore black and went ahead and wore her corsage, and she said as she danced the night away with folks from the homeless shelter at her $4,500 reception, she said, I wanted to take something bad and make something good of it. For the first time, the Hilton had the most unlikely guest. The homeless and the hungry danced the night away, for now, on this occasion, they too were included. That's exactly like this story. Go out the highways. Invite the unlikely. Invite the good. Invite the evil. Invite everybody you see. Tell them, I have butchered the calves. The wine is breathing. The table is set. The lamps are lit. Everybody, absolutely everybody is invited. Notice that word again. All you find, verse 10, are invited. Congregation, I want you to hear these words. They're somber words. God's purposes will be accomplished with or without you or me. God's purposes will be accomplished without you or without me. There will be a person at every seat at the Messianic banquet. If you don't choose to sit in your chair, someone will be in your chair. There was nothing that the guests had to do to get ready. They received the invitation. It was not dependent upon their goodness or their evilness. They were all invited. Everything had been made ready. And what they needed to do was just show up to the party. It's a bunch of nobodies in Matthew 22. It's the commoners. It's the townsfolk. It's the plain Janes and the regular Joes. But 
The wedding hall is filled in Matthew 22. It's the blind and the beggar. It's the lame. It's the merchant. It's the widow. It's the orphan. It's the lonely. It's the mean. It's the abused. It's the abusers. It's the sickly. It's the strong. It's the poor. It's the hungry. It's the farmers. It's the tax gatherers. It's the fishermen. It's the homemakers. It's the hookers. They are all invited. Come. You have an invitation to take a seat at God's table. There's a third and final thing I want you to see. You have to be real in order to keep a seat with the Savior. Look at verse 11 through 14. When the king came to look over the dinner guest, he saw there was a man not dressed in wedding clothes. I picture it this way. He's over there by the punch bowl, and he's gobbling down the finger foods. And everybody else at this black tie occasion, this wedding, has on their black and white tuxedo or, or their fitting evening dress. And you look over there, and that guy's got on shorts. And he's got on a, a white T-shirt with yellow stains in the armpits. He is really not dressed well for this wedding. He is terribly underdressed. And, well, the king sees him, and notice what he calls him. He said to him, friend. You don't want God to call you friend. If you look at Matthew's gospel, what does he call Judas in this gospel who's going to betray him? Friend, do what you must do. On that day, you don't want God to turn to you and call you friend. That's not a good thing. And the parable of the vineyard, the one who's complaining, he says, friend, didn't I pay you what I agreed to pay you? Friend is not always a good word. Sometimes it's a bad word. And just like Judas was amongst the apostles <coughs> pretending to be a follower of God, this person is mingling amongst the wedding guests pretending to have earnestly and honestly responded to the invitation. Judas proved to be a fake, and the man without the wedding attire of righteousness is a fake as well. Notice, and he said to him, friend, how do you come in here without wedding clothes? And he was speechless. The king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness in that place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Spurgeon said, the man without the wedding garment is a type who pretend to be Christians, but they do not honor the Lord Jesus. They do not honor his atoning sacrifice, and they do not honor his holy word. Throughout the Bible, I just showed you in Revelation, but in Romans and Colossians and Galatians and Ephesians, these righteousness, this garment is used. Putting on the garment is responding to the gospel and obedience results in our righteous acts of the saints. So there is a dress code if you respond to the invitation. Of course, this is not about tuxedos and shorts. It's about righteousness, making yourself ready. If you show up to the wedding banquet with self-conceit and self-righteousness and self-importance, then you will be tossed from the banquet. You have an invitation to the wedding feast. How will you respond? Let us pray. Oh God, today we hear again your invitation
that we are to come. And Father, your servants have gone out into the highways and byways and invited the good and the evil, or no one in this room would have an invite. We know how those responded in Matthew 22, those who first rejected the invitation and those who showed up and danced at the kingdom's banquet. The only question left this morning, O oh God, is how will we respond? In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Maybe you're here today, and this is God's invitation to you to come to eternity, to come to the messianic feast. And like all the, the preachers and messengers that God has sent your way before, I'm yet another one bringing the word to you. The table is ready. The cattle are butchered. The wine is breathing. The lamps are lit. And today is your day of salvation. The invitation is much too important to ignore. And everyone, everyone is invited. Respond in faith, putting on the clothing of righteousness 